It has come to my attention that I forgot to acknowledge a very important holiday yesterday. It is a holiday that commemorates the life of one of the most important and admired Americans ever to live. A man who helped to transform our country into the place that we live in today. I'm speaking, of course, about George Floyd, who Joe Biden believes left a far more important impact on our nation than other lesser figures such as, I don't know, Martin Luther King. But even Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's Mm -hmm. death did. Joe Biden commemorated the life of Martin Luther King by discussing how much less he meant to the world than did an unrepentant, violent career criminal who died resisting arrest while high on a fatal dose of drugs. And the saddest part is, he's probably right. Martin Luther King may have had a dream, but Joe Biden has a nightmare. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. My favorite comment yesterday is from Tim Scrobot talking about that hostage attack in at uh, the synagogue in Texas where the Muslim terrorist held the Jews captive. He says, you'd think the FBI would understand a terror plot better considering how many they helped to facilitate. Hey, that's not fair. They just can't comment on that. You, can, you shouldn't say the FBI facilitated any attacks. They just, they can't comment one way or the other, okay? And that's, that's their story and they're sticking to it even before committees of the United States Senate. That's unfortunate. You know, it's sad when we live in a country where we can't trust our government, where we can't trust our rulers, where we can't even trust the, the media or any, any other aspects of the ruling class to tell us what's true and false and right and wrong. There is one little upside to living in America right now. That is that you can get 25 cents back for every gallon of gas on your fill up if you use get upside. Are you spending too much money on gas? Yes, you are. I know that you are. By definition, you are if you have not yet downloaded the GetUpside app. It is a free app that will allow you to make up to 25 cents cash back for every gallon of gas every time you fill up. Very simple. You go to your app store, you download the free app, and then you use promo code Knowles. Guess what happens then? Not only will you get 25 cents cash back for every gallon you fill up, you'll get another 25 cents cash back for every gallon you fill up on your first tank. 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank when you use GetUpside and promo code Knowles. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back. That's a lot of money. No catch, only cash back. It's added right to your bank account or if you prefer PayPal or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Head on over right now, download the free GetUpside app and use promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your first tank with code Knowles. Joe Biden says George Floyd left a greater impact on America than Martin Luther King. That's probably true. (laughs) That's probably true, right? I know that conservatives are dunking on Joe Biden right now and attacking him and how offensive is this and how terrible. But Joe Biden didn't say that George Floyd was a better person than Martin Luther King. He said that he left a greater impact on the world, not even just America, but on the whole wide world. And that might be true. Martin Luther King did help to shape the world, transformed the world in many ways. But, but George Floyd may have transformed the world 
much more. And whereas the legacy of Martin Luther King is hotly debated and the leftists try to appropriate him and the conservatives try to appropriate him and the Democrats try to appropriate him and the Republicans try to appropriate him. And the leftists point to the many things that Martin Luther King said that sounded sort of socialistic or sort of leftist. And the conservatives point to the, I have a dream speech in particular, where you shouldn't judge people based on your race. And regardless of, of, exactly who can grab Martin Luther King's legacy. They point to the, uh, I'm on a, the, I've been to the mountaintop speech, this kind of very deep Christian religious rhetoric that he infused in his speeches. Regardless, the BLM version of America seems to be winning right now. The BLM version of America, which says we most certainly should judge people on the basis of their race. We should give black people and other non-white people special privileges. We should tear down the statues of our founding. America's a white supremacist, terrible, evil country, hopelessly bigoted. Uh, we've got to tear the whole thing down, the economic system, the political system, and we've got to, to create a whole brand new country. That's very different than the Martin Luther King vision. The Martin Luther King vision is America might have problems, but the, the problems are only so clear because we know the, the idea of America is so wonderful and America's not living up to her ideals. And we need to, we need to fulfill the promise of the founding fathers and George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. And, and that vision is completely at odds. Regardless of, of the left or the right trying to grab Martin Luther King's legacy, I think we all have to acknowledge that the BLM version of American history is completely at odds with the Martin Luther King version and the BLM version is winning right now. So Biden was probably right when he said that George Floyd had a greater impact on the world. That's unfortunate, but probably the case. Speaking of racial politics, Donald Trump is back on the campaign trail. He held a rally on January 15th and he leaned into a major racial issue that's going on right now. Namely, that white people are being discriminated against when it comes to treatment for COVID in many states as a result of guidance issued by the national government, by the FDA. Here's Donald Trump. Just denigrating white people to determine who lives and who dies. If you're white, you don't get the vaccine, or if you're white, you don't get therapeutics. It's unbelievable to think this, and nobody wants this. Black people don't want it. White people don't want it. Nobody wants it. It's not even believable. You saw this a week ago where it came out. Nobody can even believe it. They don't even talk about it, and they don't want to talk about it because they know it doesn't work very well for them. But the Wall Street Journal described the practice race-based preferential COVID treatment. So that's what it is. You get it based on race. In fact, in New York State, if you're white, you have to go to the back of the line to get medical help. Think of it. If you're white, you go right to the back of the line. This is really important for Donald Trump to point out because this is a grievous issue that's going on in and of itself, and it's really smart politics. So what the left is trying to do now is they're denying that what he said is true, which is why Trump cites the Wall Street Journal, very credible mainstream news source. We covered it on this show two weeks ago. You're seeing preferential treatment for non-white groups, and you're seeing whites discriminated against in a number of states. In part, this is because the FDA has said that there is a disparate impact. There's a, a disproportionate a negative effect of COVID 
on marginalized communities. And they define marginalized communities as non-white communities. And so they get to go further up in the line than the white people do. This is absolutely real. It's really happening. Credible, credible, authoritative mainstream news sources even are reporting on it. So Trump is citing that. He's saying, you can't fact check me on this. And it's, it's wrong. It's a, it's a, wrong thing to do. And people of all races know that it's wrong. So he's not just saying that this is white grievance and it's the white people versus the black people or versus the Hispanic people versus the eight. It's not. All decent people of all races can agree that it is wrong to deny someone medical care on the basis of their race. <laughs> this is not a black and white. It is a black and white issue in as much as it's very clear. And all decent white, black, Asian, Hispanic people know that it's, it's the wrong thing to do. And th- I think this will play very well on the campaign trail. But it's also, and this is the part that a lot of people are missing, this is also a really smart move from Trump because it gets him out of his toughest political position right now, namely that he owns the vaccine issue. He developed the vaccines, he has promoted the vaccines, and a lot of his base doesn't really like the vaccines. One, because the vaccines do not do all of the things that Joe Biden and Dr. Fauci and Rochelle Walensky said that they would do. Biden, Fauci, Walensky all said the vaccines would prevent infection and transmission of the virus, and the vaccines don't do that. So then they changed their story and they said, well, no, actually the the vaccines do not prevent transmission and infection, but they do mitigate the symptoms. And so they keep moving the goalposts and keep changing their stories. And the base is highly skeptical of that. And they have some moral objections to the vaccines. And they obviously object to the vaccine mandates, which Trump has said he opposes, but he's still got to own the vaccines. So how's he going to get him at himself out of this predicament? He can say that the left is trying to deny you medical care. He's saying they're... The the left is trying to take this good thing away from you. And so it just softens the vaccine issue. It's a political masterstroke that very few people have picked up on. But it's the first first maneuver Trump has made on this vaccine COVID policy issue in months and months and months that I think is actually going to move the ball in the right direction. So what's the the response from, from the left? The left is calling him racist. The left is denying that it's happening. The left, but everyone sees through that. This is a really strong issue. A lot of Republicans should campaign on this. But, but there is still this issue of the vaccines. Namely, they're not as effective as we were told they would be. The latest story out of Israel, Israeli trial, the world's first, finds fourth dose not good enough against Omicron. It's from the Times of Israel. Fourth dose. So, so the first two shots, not quite as effective as the experts had hoped. Then there was a third dose that was given out. That was also, I guess, not quite as effective because you need a fourth dose. Then they had the fourth dose, so the fourth jab. And that was not quite as effective as we were all told it was going to be. But I bet they'll get it right on the fifth one. Don't worry. Don't know. The good news, the bright side is that the fifth one is expected to be more effective than any of them. (laughs) Oh, okay, cool. Great. This talk about impossible political problems. This is a really tricky political problem for the liberal establishment because right now the liberal establishment needs to sell a huge number of people on getting the fourth and potentially fifth dose of this vaccine because the first three are not effective against the new strain of the virus. 
But at the same time, they've got to convince a lot of other people who haven't had any shots of the vaccine to get the first and second dose of the vaccine. But why would people get the first and second dose if the people who got the first and second dose need, now need to get a third and fourth and possibly fifth dose? So you've got to, you've got to convince different groups of people in the, uh, uh, who have, are at various stages of vaccination that the first and second dose were so ineffective that you now need to get three, four, five, but also that the first and second doses are so effective that you'll die, you're putting your whole community at risk if you don't get the first two. The, the experts, the ruling class, speaking out of both sides of their mouths, contradicting themselves, and I strongly suspect that the people are less and less fooled each day by it. Now, when you don't want to be fooled by high prices at the auto parts store, I would strongly recommend you check out Rock Auto. All right, I've got a hypothetical for you. Let's say that you need a new fuel pump assembly for your car. And I give you two choices. A is the fuel pump assembly for X amount of money. And B is the fuel pump assembly for 30% more than X amount of money or 50% more than X amount of money or 100% more than X amount of money than you're going to be paying for choice A. Which one do you buy? This is not a trick question. This is a very simple question. You buy the cheaper one. So why would you not be going to rockauto.com right now where you can get any part you want for your car or truck for the lowest price available? You don't need to, to drive to the brick and mortar store. You don't need to wait in line. You don't need to wait for the guy to go into the back to look for the part that's probably not in stock anyway to come back out to say they're going to order it to wait a week to pay more money. Just go to rockauto.com. Super easy to use catalog, reliably low prices. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck and then write Knowles in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you. Speaking of our vaunted public health officials, did you know that Dr. Fauci is loaded? I think a lot of people suspected that Dr. Fauci was pretty well off. He's a very prominent, very powerful figure in our government. But he has been a public servant his whole life. He's worked at the NIH now for 40 years almost. So, you know, he's a government worker. He probably shouldn't. That's not how you become a millionaire, right? Working for the government. You do it because you want to serve the public. You do it because you want to follow the science if you're working at the NIH and you're a, you're a hardworking scholar, but you don't, you don't go into that line of work to get rich. But Dr. Fauci did get rich. He was asked when he was testifying before Congress, to disclose some of his, the details of his finances. And Dr. Fauci got very, very defensive. Yes or no, would you be willing to submit to Congress and the public a financial disclosure that includes your past and current investments? After all, your colleague, Dr. Walensky, and every member of Congress submits a financial disclosure that includes their investments. And Fauci just right away, he goes, he tries to, he's, he's talking, he tries to remove that mask. He realizes that he hasn't turned the microphone. I don't understand why you're asking me that question. My go. financial disclosure is public knowledge and has been so for the last 37 years or so, 35 years well, that the, I've been directed. The big tech giants are doing an incredible job of keeping it from being public. Uh, we'll continue to, what, to look for it. Where would we find it? All you have to do is ask for it. <laughs> I, I, you're so misinformed. It's extraordinary. Well, why am I, why am I misinformed? It. it is totally accessible to you if you want it. For the public. Is it accessible to the, to the public? public? Okay. To the public. Great. We look Senator forward Marshall. to reviewing it. You are totally incorrect. Well, we look Marshall, forward to reviewing it. Getting a little defensive there, huh, Dr. Fauci? <laughs> what are you, he's asking you a simple question. He's saying, can, 
have you disclosed your finances? And if they're available, where can I find them? You are totally incorrect. Incorrect about what? He didn't make any claims. He just asked you a question. Your question is incorrect. What you, <laughs> how can a question be incorrect? It's a simple question. It's not a particularly aggressive or offensive question. It's just, hey, where can I find your financial disclosures that you're telling me that you made? It's, you are so misinformed. Yo, cool it with the insults, buddy. It's a, why are you getting so defensive? Because Dr. Fauci is freaking loaded. That's why. So, so very simple question. Can we find your finances? Fauci says they're all public. Well, they're obviously not public because we, we don't have them yet. The member of Congress couldn't track them down. So they're not all that public. How about you just tell us? How about you just prove No, just ask. Stop. You're incorrect. Uh, Rand Paul, or not, Dr. Fauci first started using this line when he was speaking to Rand Paul. You'll remember that Rand Paul accused Dr. Fauci of funding gain-of-function research in Wuhan. In fact, she's, you're completely incorrect, Senator. And then Rand Paul comes out and he says, well, actually, we have all of the details of you funding Dr. Barrick, and we have the grant proposal right here. And we, and then Fauci got caught in the line. He goes, well, uh, yeah, but no, and, but you're incorrect. And he just keeps reciting this line. So he's, now he's, he's just saying it as a, as a matter of rote discourse, even when it doesn't make sense for the question. Okay, so what's the answer to the question? What are your finances, Fauci? Well, according to financial disclosures obtained by Open the Books, the federal government uh, paid Fauci and his wife, who also works at NIH, $868,812 in combined income and benefits last year. In addition to their federal salaries, the Fauci household also received royalties and stipends totaling over $100,000, at least $113,298, and their investment accounts increased. This is the big one. Their investment accounts increased by almost $800,000 that year. A pretty good return on investment, $800,000. Well, how'd you manage that, Dr. Fauci? Well, because the Fauci household net worth is over $10.4 million. Wow. That's a lot of money for a civil servant. That's a lot of money for a, just a scientist working in the lab on a government salary. $10.4 million. Well, that his, that's his wife's salary too that has added to that. Oh, his wife who also is a, a civil servant working for the government? Ten, ten, over $10 million, huh? Man, I'm in the wrong line of work. I got to go work for the government. Maybe I can, maybe I can get me 10 million bucks. Maybe it's just because Dr. Fauci is a very prominent, high-profile public figure and scientist. Maybe he made a lot of money on speeches, but maybe he made a lot of money on, I don't know, some of his scientific work. Maybe he's made a lot of money on his investments, obviously, and maybe those investments have something to do with his work. I don't know. I'm actually not making the accusation, but I sure would like to know the character of Dr. Fauci's investments. Don't you think that's sort of a a a basic ask. Don't you think it's pretty reasonable to say, hey, Dr. Fauci, if you're in an extremely powerful government position, you're the highest paid person in the federal government, and you're moving billions of dollars around and sending billions of dollars around to different research and to different private companies sometimes to help with that research, and you're a 
approving certain trials and certain studies and and encouraging the use of certain drugs, certain drugs, the patents of which are owned by certain companies, and who knows where your money's invested. I just want to know because this seems like a great opportunity for corruption. I'm not saying Fauci has engaged in any kind of financial corruption. It's just curious that a lifelong civil servant would be worth 10 million bucks. Just asking questions. No need to get defensive, doctor. You're incorrect, Michael. Well, how am I incorrect? I'm asking questions. You're inc- Shut up, you. You're incorrect. Speaking of the science, I have to get to this story. It's not really a story. It's more of a personal anecdote. A couple of days ago, it was snowing in Nashville. And it snows in Nashville a couple times a year. But it's snowing, kind of shut everything down. I wasn't able to come into the office. And so I jokingly tweeted out, I said, dear Libs, if global warming's real, why is it snowing? Yours, Michael. It was a very simple joke, an innocuous joke, a dad joke. It's snowing, therefore I don't, I don't know if I buy this global warming thing. I don't really buy global warming either, but not because it's snowing. We'll get to that in a little bit, in a little bit later. I, I, at the same time, sent out this tweet. I said, Knowles destroys snowflakes argument with facts and snowflakes. So I'm making a little joke about the sometimes sensationalist headlines that we here at the Daily Wire have pioneered on, on certain arguments and debates. Okay. That's it. I didn't, I didn't think it was the funniest joke. I just thought, you know, it's okay. The snow is kind of irking me. I can't go to work. Ha 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 ha. The libs lost their minds over this tweet. They can't, my, my phone is exploding over this tweet because they took my simple overdone joke as my thesis on global warming and the scientific establishment. And so it's all of these humorless, very self-serious liberals who are responding now with all of their arguments about global warming. Now, one of the the fun things to do when you make a joke about how the world's not really going to end in 10 years because of the sun monster or whatever they say, is you say, look, it's, it's snowing. Therefore, global warming is not real. And then the libs get really, really angry. And they say, no, you idiot. Weather isn't climate. No, you idiot. It was really, it was really warm on Christmas day. Someone actually responded to me, said it was really warm on Christmas day and New Year's day. And I responded to him and I said, yeah, but weather isn't climate. They said, but you just said, but right, but, but you just said, when the libs say weather isn't climate, what the reason they say that is because some weather event or series of weather events has contradicted their global warming narrative. But then the minute that a weather event or a series of weather events seems to buttress their global warming narrative, let's say it's, there's a hot streak in the middle of the summer, they will point to that and they'll say, this is evidence of global warming. So it's, it's completely disingenuous when the libs do it because when weather, when weather is cold, that's, that's not weather isn't climate. And when weather is hot, that is climate. And that is evidence of global warming. So anyway, it's a little funny, silly little game. The, the only reason I bring this up is because, uh, not because of global warming or, or whatever. The, the reasons to be skeptical of global warming is because major apocalyptic scientific predictions that have been made, even within just the last 50 years, have all turned out to be completely bogus. Namely, global cooling, which was a very serious scientific thesis in the 1970s. And it turned out to be at 
at best, the opposite of true. (laughs) because now they're all pushing global warming. Uh, Overpopulation. Paul Ehrlich, a fetid scientist, uh, still remains a lauded scientist on the left. He said that within 10 years of 1970, there would be mass famines because of overpopulation. We needed more contraception. We needed abortion. We needed to coerce contraception and abortion if need be. And even then, it wouldn't stop the famines, but it, it might mitigate it a little bit. So these policies were adopted in India, in China, sterilizing poor people, killing babies, horrific, a genocide is what resulted from this. Nevertheless, the global population doubled malnutrition at an all-time low. So the reason I'm skeptical of the doomsday predictions, the world's going to end in 12 years, is because none of that ever comes true and it's just preposterous. But the reason I bring up the story is actually nothing to do with global warming or climate change or whatever. It's that the left has no idea what we think. The left really believes that the right wing's skepticism of the global warming apocalypse amounts to, duh, it's snowing outside, no global warming. They think, they think that a simple joke that we're making is our actual argument because they probably don't know very many conservatives, if any, and the only understanding they have of the conservative point of view is some caricature that they're given on CNN and MSNBC. Very sad for them. They're, they don't know what we're talking about. Now, One thing I'm very excited about is this new Daily Wire movie that's coming out that would be shut in. We are releasing the final trailer for the Daily Wire's first original production, Shut In. It's a seat-gripping thriller that will be able to stream in early February. The film follows the story of a young mother who's barricaded inside a closet by her violent ex-husband. As she's trapped inside, she uses nothing but her voice to guide her children on the other side of the walls to safety, all while the threat of her dangerous ex looms. Take a look. daughter. She's very pretty. I'm scared. Spooky. Go to shutinfilm.com to watch the full trailer and get ready for the film's release on February 10th. The film is exclusive to The Daily Wire, so make sure you head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Also, join me, Ben Shapiro, Jeremy Boring, Matt Walsh, and Andrew Clavin tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on dailywire.com and on our YouTube channel, Daily Wire. We'll be right back with a lot more. Welcome back to the show. Speaking of not understanding what the other side is saying in politics, Planned Parenthood made a very silly claim on social media over the weekend. And it went viral and conservatives all were totally dunking on it because it seemed contradictory. They they tweeted out, quote, sexually speaking, folks with a vulva are far more than reproductive machines. Folks with a vulva. (laughs) Mm, Hey, hey, honey, you're one of my favorite folks with a vulva. I just love you. Isn't that, that doesn't sound very romantic or personal or very polite at all. A lot of conservatives were dunking on this because it seems as though Planned Parenthood is doing the thing it says not to do. They're saying, don't just define women by their reproductive parts. Don't just say they're reproductive machines. 
but we're not going to call them women. We're going to call them folks with a vulva. So we're defining them by their genitals. And, and the conservatives are pointing out, you hypocrites, you're contradicting yourselves. But they're actually not. They're not contradicting themselves. They're making exactly the point they want to make. They attach to it this article, which is from wellandgood.com. And it's about the full anatomy of a female pleasure part and how it was only mapped in our lifetimes. And here's why knowing that matters. And it talks about sex positivity and all the good, good physical sensations that ladies can have. Planned Parenthood, when they define women as folks with a vulva, are not defining them as reproductive machines. They're defining them as pleasure machines. That's not, the organ that they're referencing is not exactly a reproductive organ. They're not saying folks with ovaries. They're not saying folks with fallopian tubes. They're saying folks with the external organs, organs more associated with pleasure than with reproduction. They're defining women as sterile pleasure machines. They're saying women don't need to just be in the business of making babies. They can also be used for your sexual gratification, men, and for their own sexual gratification, just their their own pleasure, but without having to worry about the product of that love between the man and the woman. They're using this term in part because they want to be inclusive of women who think that they're men. Of tra- they call it transgender men, and so they don't. The transgender men don't want to be called women, even though they are women. So they're defining them by this physical part. But that's actually part of the same issue which is that you're defining men and women only by their most superficial, shallow, skin-deep characteristics, not the deeper aspects of their spirit, and even physically the deeper aspects of their body, such as their ovaries, such as the babies that they can produce, the life that is nurtured within them and then propagates the human race. This is how the left views men and women, not as spiritually significant vessels who who extend the human race from generation to generation through their love, which they transmit one to another and then out through the successive generations, but as atomized, individual, sterile pleasure machines. Planned Parenthood thinks that women are machines just as much as their fantasies of the handmaid's tale of what they think that conservatives believe, even though conservatives don't actually believe it, that women are just there to be baby making factories. Just the idea of human beings as machines is part of the leftist, modern, ugly view of human beings. Conservatives view human beings as more than just machines, as part spirit, as eternal creatures that we'll have a life on earth and we'll have a life beyond earth and who are, who are answerable, not merely to our own titillating sexual pleasures, you know, poke this spot and you'll, you'll get a little thrill, but as, as spiritual beings who are beholden to a real moral order. You gotta, you gotta give Planned Parenthood the credit for being coherent within their own completely absurd understanding of human nature. Speaking of girls, Christy Nome, has, she is the governor of South Dakota. She clearly wants to run for president in 2024. She has a new campaign ad out, buffing up her conservative bona fides, saying she's always stood up for girls. She's never backed down on protecting our girls, on protecting our girls in school specifically, and specifically protecting women's sports. 
In South Dakota, only girls play girls' sports. Why? Because of Governor Kristi Noem's leadership. Noem has been protecting girls' sports for years and never backed down. Noem's steady, conservative leadership doesn't win headlines, it wins results. Now, Governor Nome has a bill that will give South Dakota the strongest law in the nation protecting female sports. Doing the work, delivering results. Governor Kristi Nome. Text Kristi to 21225 to learn more. This is complete gaslighting. This is just a complete lie that Kristi Nome and her political machine are trying to put out there to, to backtrack from her biggest political misstep yet. Namely, that Christy Nome did back down when it came to defending girls' sports. What happened was Christy Nome was given a bill to defend girls' sports and to prevent men from competing in girls' sports by her legislature. And she said she was really excited to sign it. And then she backed down and she said she wasn't, she wasn't going to sign the bill as is. Why did this happen? I don't know. Many people suspect she got a call from her corporate donors and from powerful national interests. And they said, don't do this, or you're, you're going to lose money for your state, or you're going to lose this event, or you're going to lose that. And so she backed down. She said, okay, well, we'll protect some girls' sports, but we're going to let dudes compete against the women in the, at the collegiate level, let's say. Then she reversed course because there was a huge backlash. And now she's trying to run for president as a conservative. So she's just lying about the whole thing. I'm glad that she reversed course. I'm glad that Christy Nome realized that she was wrong and changed it. I credit her for that. I would not be going after her if she had just done that and left it alone. People make mistakes. I want people to go from being wrong to being right, and I don't want to punish them for changing their mind in the right direction. But I really don't like being lied to, and I don't like being lied to by Democrat politicians, and I really don't like being lied to by Republican politicians. And what Christy Noem is doing right here is lying to us and trying to pretend that history is different than it was and her record is different than it was. And that makes me even less likely to trust her. I was already skeptical of trusting her because she was wrong on a very basic issue, namely, are men women and women men? But then I said, okay, fine. She's come along at least, but now she's lying to me. So now I have really no reason to trust her. The only reason that anyone even started talking about this woman as a potential presidential candidate is because she stood firm during COVID and didn't lock down her state. That was the reputation she got, at least. But my friend John Schweppe from the American Principles Project, I think, was the first to dig up the fact that Christy Nome actually did not originally stand firm against the lockdowns. It was the South Dakota legislature that stood firm against the lockdowns. Christy Nome was inclined to institute certain lockdown measures in her state, but the legislators prevented her from doing that, as even she admits. We will be using appropriate enforcement measures as necessary that I do have at my disposal. But we have not run into an incidence yet where that's been necessary. I think the question was who specifically would enact that enforcement? It, it would be, it's at my executive order. So I would expect that if there's enforcement action to be taken, it would be mine. And the follow-up then, what's the penalty for someone in Lincoln or Minnehaha County who is over 65, who has a chronic illness or doesn't comply? We will deal with that when it is necessary. Uh, we did have a bill that came before the legislature last week uh, that we talked about some enforcement mechanisms we wanted to give to the secretary of the Department of Health. The legislature did not support that bill. Uh, therefore, that is not a tool that we have available to us today. 
A lot of people haven't heard that clip, but at what she says there right at the end is crucial. She says, look, we had a bill go up before the legislature to try to give us, us, the people who want to enforce the mandates, the ability to enforce certain lockdown measures. And it was going to give the Secretary of Health special powers to do that. But unfortunately, the legislature shot it down. So we, she's putting herself on the side of the people who would enforce the lockdown measures. Not the people who are opposing the lockdown measures, like some Republican governors have done. But she says, no, we, yeah, we, we wanted to be able to institute those lockdown measures. But the legislature wouldn't let us. Drats. So Kristi Noem is a moderate Republican. At best. Okay. And her two achievements that she's touting, one that she didn't lock down her state and two that she defended girls sports, she did reluctantly. She was dragged kicking and screaming into those positions. So she's a moderate Republican at best. And yet she is trying to reposition herself as a conservative. What does this mean? What does it mean for Christy Nome? I, I don't really care. I'm not that interested in Christy Nome's personal political career. I wish her the best, you know, go with God, have a good life. What does it mean for the conservative movement? That interests me much more because what it means is looking ahead to 2022 and then especially to 2024, the candidates who want to be taken seriously are going to have to adopt rather right-wing, rather conservative positions, culturally conservative positions, not even just cut taxes and leave me alone, culturally conservative. We're going to stop woke corporations from enforcing certain measures. We're going to, we're going to keep your churches open. We're going to resist the scientific genius experts. We're going to resist the administrative government. We're, you know, strong conservative positions, even if they don't believe it, as one wonders about Christy Nome. Does she really believe these conservative positions she's now espousing? Whether, whether she does or not, I don't really care. The fact that that's where the pressure is is very good news for the Republican Party and the conservative movement. The days of the just cut taxes GOP are over. They're over, not because the conservatives have gone crazy and we've gone, lost our minds and we're running into this radicalism. The reason that the GOP is leaning more into cultural issues right now is because the liberals are making our kids chant prayers to Aztec human sacrifice demons in school. I'm not speaking metaphorically here. That's not hyperbole. It's not an exaggeration. The libs are actually making our children chant prayers to Aztec cannibal demons in public schools. Or at least they were until the state of California stopped doing it. Following a lawsuit from parents, the state of California has permanently removed what is called the in lock ech affirmation from the state curriculum. The in lock ek affirmation forced students to chant prayers to the Aztec demon of human sacrifice to become warriors for social justice. What? Michael, surely you're making this up. I'm not. I'm not. Reality is stranger than fiction these days. The demon that they were chanting to is Tezcatlipoca. He is the Aztec demon of, of human sacrifice and cannibalism, among other things. This was part of the mandatory new ethnic studies curriculum. Now it starts to make a little bit more sense because the ethnic studies curriculum pushes this idea that white Christians bad, every other racial and religious group good. White Christians 
are accused in this curriculum of committing theocide, killing God or a God, against the indigenous peoples, murdering their gods and replacing them with the true God, the God of the Bible. And in fairness to the ethnic studies curriculum, that is what happened. Christian civilization came to the new world. Hernan Cortez specifically arrived and discovered the Aztec empire and he conquered it and he banished their, the demons that they were worshiping and he brought Christianity to that place. And that is one of the greatest political achievements in the history of the world. The Aztec empire is one of the most evil political bodies that has ever existed. They would regularly sacrifice all sorts of humans by ripping out their hearts. They're still beating hearts from their chests and then kicking them down one of their their pyramids, one of their pyramid-like structures. At the consecration of the Temple of Tenochtitlan, an estimated 80,000 people were sacrificed in this way in the course of four days. The Aztecs believed that the sacrifice of innocent children in particular was pleasing to the demons that they worshipped and would give them more rain for their crops. And so they would sacrifice the children. They believed that the tears of little children were particularly pleasing. And so they would make sure to torture the children in the most heinous ways that we have detailed accounts of that I'm not going to recount for you on this show because they're so horrifying you won't sleep at night. That's what they did en masse by the tens of thousands to appease the demons that the liberals wanted your children to pray to because of how awful Christian civilization is. Does that that make a lot of sense to you? Uh, No, it doesn't. Reasonable people all agree that our kids should not be chanting prayers to human sacrifice demons. We all agree on that. I think most liberals and conservatives, we all agree on that. So why? Why? Why is it wrong? Why do we agree that kids shouldn't be doing that? Who's to say? Who's to say that one God is better than any other God? Who's to say that one religion is better than any other religion? You're delving into some pretty murky territory here, Buster. What happened to the separation of church and state? What's so bad about chanting to the the demon God if we're also going to teach certain principles that come from the Bible? Are you you seriously telling me you're going to privilege Christianity over over the demon worship in, in the new world? What does that imply if we are willing to do that? There's a big political fight going on in a Maryland school district. Conservative Maryland school district, Carroll County, it's divided on a question of whether or not we should kick politics out of the classroom. The policy was proposed in July of last year. It would revise an existing rule on employee political activities by saying that Carroll County public school staff quote, should avoid discussion of political issues, parties, and candidates during classroom instruction unless those discussions align with the approved curriculum. And this is being pushed by conservatives to stop the left from trying to indoctrinate kids into radicalism and have them them chant to Aztec demons. This is a bad idea. This is a bad idea because it's based on a faulty premise that there's such a thing as neutrality especially neutrality in education. There is no such thing. There is no neutrality. If you teach kids to worship the Aztec demon, you are implicitly, at least sometimes explicitly, teaching them not to worship God. If you're teaching them that human sacrifice is good, 
which is implicit in praying to the Aztec demon god, then you are teaching them that stopping human sacrifice, as the God of the Bible demands, is bad. If you are teaching them that it is good to follow one heinous code of morality, then you are telling them that it is bad to follow the good, true code of morality. You can't just remain neutral on everything. This issue came up because another state legislator got in trouble for saying that we need to remain neutral on teaching communism and fascism and Nazism. <laughs> we need to remain neutral. <laughs> we can't, we can't say, look, some people have different views of Hitler. Some people have different views of Stalin. And so we have to remain perfectly neutral and, and present both sides, but you, you can't do that. That's not how education works. Education requires people to be, to, to form their views, to form their ideas, to form their behaviors, to form their understanding of morality. And that requires teaching people the difference between true and false, yes, and good and bad and right and wrong. If it's wrong to pray to the Aztec demon God, then what God should we pray to? That's, that is the inevitable next question in education. There's no neutrality. You see it in Microsoft right now. Getting out of schools for a second, Microsoft has implemented a new woke word checker. This is, this is in a, a new menu item called grammar and refinements in word, which is the most popular word processing program in the world. It doesn't check how you spell words. It doesn't check how you use grammar or punctuation. It checks age bias, cultural bias, ethnic slurs, gender bias, gender neutral pronouns, gender specific language, racial bias, sexual orientation bias, and socioeconomic bias. So if you type in Mrs. Thatcher, referring to the Iron Lady, Mrs. Thatcher did this in Great Britain. It will suggest that you change it to Ms. Thatcher. I suspect Maggie Thatcher is rolling in her grave at the very thought. If you type in the phrase uttered by Neil Armstrong as he took the first step onto the moon, one small step for a man, one giant leap for mankind, it will suggest you change it to humankind. You know, humankind, it's more inclusive, isn't it? Even though man is a gender neutral word, in the beginning, God created man, both male and female, he created them. No, can't do that anymore. We have to change the first words on the moon. When you switch this tool on, the spelling mistakes are underlined in red, the grammar errors are underlined in blue, and inclusiveness issues are underlined in purple. Microsoft is a very woke company. You might remember some months ago, Microsoft held a conference, and they opened the conference by, by engaging in the liberal liturgy of, of pretty much any woke trope you can find. They threw in everything but the kitchen sink. And welcome to Microsoft Ignite. We've got a big day ahead and lots in store for you. First, we want to acknowledge that the land where the Microsoft campus is situated was traditionally occupied by the Sammamish, the Duwamish, the Snoqualmie, the Suquamish, the Muckleshoot, the Snohomish, the Tulalip, and other Coast Salish peoples since time immemorial a people that are still here, continuing to honor and bring to light their ancient heritage. My name is Allison Wines. I'm a senior program manager in our developer tools division. I'm an Asian and white female with dark brown hair wearing a red sleeveless top. And I'm Seth Juarez, program manager in the AI platform group. I'm a tall Hispanic male wearing a blue shirt, khaki pants. It goes on and on. It really only gets worse from there. 
slight side note, you notice they never ask themselves why this land was occupied by all those groups of people. This land was occupied by the Suwamish and the Sashimi and the Muckleshoot and the Hoogie and they all, it was all occupied by all of the, why, why was that? Is it because one group took it from another group? <laughs> they were all occupying it at the exact same time. I don't think so. I think actually one group came in and took the land from the group was there, that was there before. And that was considered perfectly fine. And we have no problem with it. But then we came in and took the land in some cases, won it through conquest, sometimes bought it, but that's evil and terrible because it was Christendom that came in and did that. A digression. This is a great threat to to our political order, but it's not government people pushing it. It's not just big government, all right? It's corporation. It's corporate power. It's technological power. It's not government, but it's still political. It still shapes our whole political order, how we understand ourselves, how we understand our relation to citizens, how we understand our relation to the state. This happens to be the subject of my book, Speechless, which I finished one year ago today, exactly. And thank you to everyone who bought that and made it a number one national bestseller. This is what Republicans and conservatives are going to need to fight moving forward. This is not just about what big government does, but it is political. It's not just about Joe Biden issuing some policy, raising taxes, some executive order. It's, it's about Joe Biden redefining Martin Luther King Day as George Floyd Day, which is essentially what he did. It's about some woke corporation encouraging you to say this and don't say this. It's about big tech explicitly prohibiting you from saying certain things. And that reshapes all of it. Those are very powerful political interests. And it is incumbent on any serious conservative who wants to maintain something resembling the traditional American way of life to fight back against all of it. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. See you tomorrow. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your friends to subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including The Ben Shapiro Show, The Andrew Clavin Show, and The Matt Walsh Show. The Michael Knowles Show is produced by Ben Davies. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Vidovsky. Editor and associate producer, Danny D'Amico. Associate producer, Justine Turley. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. And hair and makeup by Cherokee Hart. Michael Knowles Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. Today on The Matt Wall Show, we're told that there is a mental illness epidemic among kids, which can be attributed to the pandemic. But that's a lie and a very nefarious one, and I'll explain why today. Also, the Supreme Court killed the vaccine mandate, but some companies are enforcing the mandate anyway. How should we respond to that as consumers? And a clip of Biden uh, saying that George Floyd's death had a greater impact on the world than Martin Luther King's death. He's right, actually, but not for the reason he thinks. Plus, A woman drives her car into a river by accident and then takes a selfie while the vehicle sinks below the surface. It's an image that perfectly encapsulates modern Western culture. We'll talk about that and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show.